Welcome everybody to the Sleepy Perform Repeat podcast. This is your host, David Clancy, and along with my co-host, Connor Gavin, we are here in Soco Performance, Dublin, Ireland, to bring you a podcast focusing on what it means to be performing at the highest level, what in essence is high-performance culture. We're going to share our experience and our backgrounds into what we've acquired over the years. Connor Gavin has extensive experience of working in the AFL with the West Coast Eagles, but also having worked in a high-performance environment with the Irish rugby team. Myself, David Clancy, I'm going to bring my experience and know-how from having worked in London with Isaac Kinetic Medical Group on Hardy Street, but also having experienced high-performance culture working with the Brooklyn Nets and the San Antonio Spurs of the NBA. What we're striving to achieve here is to find out what exactly makes high-level athletes tick and what makes them to perform at the highest level and how they really can get back to play at the highest level of return to play and return to performance after injury. How do all these elements play a role in performance? That's what we're really trying to find out here. So I hope you all enjoy listening to this and can learn. I really hope it sparks an interest because what we're really trying to do here in Ireland is evolve and grow and tap into what really makes high performance culture. Hey guys, today myself and David sat down with Matt Jarvis, a professional footballer. Matt is currently playing with Walsall on loan from Norwich City. So he had a fairly illustrious career to date. He was with Wolves when they came up to the Premier League, also their player of the year. Uh, he has transferred and played with West Ham also. And as well as that, he was capped for England under Fabio Capello at Wembley. So it's great to speak to somebody who's played football at such a high level. So unfortunately, Matt uh, has a fairly storied injury history throughout his career so we had a good chat with him about what he feels the potential causes of that history were whether it was just a case of load management or bad luck and and so on Um, we have a chat with him about his record fee that uh, he had placed on him when he was the transfer to West Ham and any kind of effect he felt that may or may not have had on, on him personally and professionally we have a very good chat with him about loyalty in football, both from an international football and a club football perspective uh, in terms of how kind of players and fans can see different sides of the same same coin, we'll say. Uh, we speak to him also about the best player that he's played against today, which was uh, an interesting answer, I thought. Um, so yeah, as per usual, if there's any questions or comments on this, the clinic itself here can be reached on SoCo Performance on Instagram. David, also my co-host, he can be reached on D Clancy Physio and Matt himself is available to be contacted on Matt underscore Jarvis underscore official. So yeah, hope you enjoy this one. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of the Sleepy Perform Repeat podcast with myself, Connor Gavin, and my co-host David Clancy. Today we've got Matt Jarvis on with us. Uh, thanks to Matt for coming on. And I'll get David to just give you all a bit of a, an introduction on Matt and his backgrounds. Hi everybody, welcome today. It's a pleasure to have Matt here, who I was fortunate enough to work with over in London with Isaac Kinetic, and you know, glad he's on the men. So, so Matt's a 32-year-old English footballer, plays as a winger, plays currently for Walsall on loan from Norwich City, but he's had quite a successful, extensive career, having played in the Premier League at the highest level with West Ham Wolves. He was actually a record transfer fee for, for West Ham when he went there, and he won even Player of the Year when he was with Wolverhampton Wanderers. We're coming up to their anniversary, getting into the Prem. And um, he's actually been capped internationally by England as well. So we're, we're really lucky to have him on board today. And we're looking forward to hearing his thoughts on, on several different questions about performance and, and injury and, and his career and all those sort of things. Cool. Great. Thanks, David. Uh, so a glowing, a glowing CV that you have there, Matt. Um, 
so what we what we kind of are interested in chatting to you about first of all is just the obviously you've had a bit of a, an injury history recently and, and, and kind of and, and going back as well so would you just be able to give say some of our listeners who might be as familiar with your career today a, a bit of a background on, on what you've what you've had injury wise over the years okay uh, well when I first started out I, uh, when I was about 17 18 I, uh, I, I had hernias um, I, at that point in time you only sort of had one one gun at a time and then the following year the other side went now I think nowadays if one goes you, you sort of have a double double hernia uh, operation but um, that was my that was my only operation that I had um, until I was uh, until I was 30 until about two years ago. And then, unfortunately, I've, I've had I had three in a row. Um, I first of all I had uh, I had my right medial reattached, um, which 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 is not ideal when you're when you're playing football um, and being a winger, uh, trying to cross the ball all the time. That's the whole mechanics of uh, using your medial. So that was that was a bit of a nightmare. But uh, managed to get back from that. No problem. It took me about uh, about ten, well, about twelve weeks. Attached, and then I had to have I had two osteochondral defects in my ankle, um, and also had to have microfracture, um, which which was a bit of a shock. Um, none, of it, none of it really sort of showed up on the uh, on the scans, which was a bit of a nightmare, really. And it took me a long long time to to recover from that. Uh, and then yeah, that was on my right leg as well, and and because of the two surgeries, I. Uh, I think I, my my mechanics sort of changed from like walking, running, and I picked up IT band friction syndrome from it as well, uh, which which was uh, which was something that sort of it, I don't know if anyone's ever had it before, but um, it, it, it really it's, it's just like a sharp pain that goes into the side of your knee just uh, when you start planting and loading your legs. So it it it, it started off really like light. Feel it's like an ache, and then it got worse and worse, and it felt like a towards the end with more like a dagger going into the side of the leg. So, unfortunately, I had to have an operation on that as well, which uh, just to sort of scrape out all of the um, all of the tissue that was really um, angry and inflamed. So, I uh, I had that, and uh, and that's sort of when I went into uh, isokinetics and um, met your man, and uh, we had a, we had quite a good weeks um, and um, really helped working on all my strength and uh, glutes and even some core so I had to uh, get myself back in and get back playing again. Brilliant, perfect, all right. So I was, when we were kind of uh, doing a bit of research for you, uh, Matt, before coming on, um, I was reading an article or an interview that you'd given where it said that you'd missed nearly about three years to three and a half years of your career in total through injury. Um, give or take a few months, maybe either, either side. But because of that, looking back at it now, do you find that you're able to look back at it objectively and go, right, well, I think this was the root cause of that, or no, I'm just putting it down, it was just pure bad luck, or what, what's your kind of take on, on that injury history that you've had? Um, well, it's, it's very difficult. I think the, for, for, my, for my career up until I was about 30, 
I, uh, I, the only sort of injury that I had that was uh, lengthy was I did a hamstring uh, when I was at Wolves and I was out for 10 weeks. Um, and that, that was my sort of biggest injury at the, at the time. Uh, before that, I was probably, I, I had like, a, you know, 10 days, two weeks, a bit of a, like a, a groin or a quad or something like that. But then when I then got the, it was actually a tackle that I did my medial in, unfortunately. It was, uh, I tried to, for some reason, I've got no idea, I tried to block tackle the guy up already. And uh, it, was a, it was definitely the wrong idea. <laughs> And uh, it, it sort of started from there. I had contact injury that, which I tried to rehab normally, and it just didn't work. And then I had the surgery. Uh, and then when I was coming back, it was again a tackle on my ankle. When I was striking the ball, someone uh, blocked it, and my ankle sort of bracketed backwards. It's quite a just just uh, it really jammed up in the back, and that's how I got that injury. And then obviously. Still haven't lost your touch, though, Matt, because you smoked anyone in London. <laughs> well, that's right. <laughs> so, so I suppose you know you you had the, the I suppose the thing on your shoulders about record transfer fee. You know, you you went for a record transfer to a really big club. When that happens, is that something you go, "Wow, Matt Jarvis, I just I'm sold for a record fee." Does that weigh on your shoulders? Do you, do you think about it as a lot more pressure or scrutiny put upon you, or are you just like, you know, I, I deserve that. Let me just play now and, and show them that I'm kind of worth and value for this. Um, I think everything you've just said, really. Um, <laughs> the, 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 you know, the initial thing was I, I was um, I was just desperate to, to get back and play in the Premier League because that's where I played for the, for the previous like three uh, years and had done really well. So I. I I really wanted to just carry on playing where I, I knew I, I could play in the Premier League, which uh, I got a fantastic opportunity to do that with, with West Ham. And as you said, they, they spent a lot of money. I think it was like 12.75 million at the time, um, which which was uh, which was a, a large fee. Which obviously I was I was delighted to, to move and go to West Ham. It was a fantastic, great, fantastic, and massive club. Um, but as you say, going for the record transfer, then getting promoted back to the Premier League, and it being such a a, a big uh, historic club was was a was a lot of pressure, uh, definitely. Um, and you know, I'm the I'm my biggest critic, and I, I've got a lot of pressure on myself. No one else has to do that for me. So yeah. there was a there was um, there was added pressure for sure. Um, but that's that's ultimately that. 
just comes part and parcel of football. That's something you have to deal with. And if you can't, then it, it, it just doesn't work. And, you know, I, I really enjoyed playing there. And uh, I suppose the, uh, I, the following year, Andy Carroll then signed and, um he was then the record uh, transfer, so it then took a little bit of pressure off me, I think, yeah. which, was, uh, which was good. But as I said, it was it was it's, it's very difficult to to, to not um, realise and feel the pressure because, as I said, West Ham is such a big club. But it's it is something that you you have to just take on board. And you know, I didn't ask for that price. I didn't um, say I I. I, I feel I was valued at that amount of money. It was that's just the way that uh, the clubs did business and everyone does business, and that's just something like you just have to get uh, get over and just carry on doing what you're paid to do. Yeah, perfect. Uh, <clears throat> a football related one again for you here, Matt. Um, obviously, you got the the England cap under Capello at Wembley, so I'm, I'm assuming uh, not to put words in your mouth, but it was a huge moment for you personally, professionally. The pride that comes with that—that that kind of a call up. Um, what What are your thoughts on players that, and we seem to be seeing a lot more of it these days, who will transfer countries basically for extra playing opportunities, knowing kind of knowing uh, knowing what you know now. Say that you you had the, the solitary England call, call up. Would you be happy to say, right, I'm just sticking with England, or if you had a come across a long-lost Dutch granny or something like that and had the chance to tag out for the orange, would you have, Would you switch across? Or, or what are your thoughts on, on people who do that? Um, that's a very difficult question. I think, for me, um, because I, I, yeah, I, I was born in England, I, I grew up, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm really English, I, I, that was, that, as for me, that was the, that's the ultimate, that's the dream come true. Um, and uh, I, uh, I didn't play any of the youth teams, uh, nothing in school, boys, all the way up to, to the 23s or 21s. I, I didn't play any of it. So then I, I uh, played into the, in, the, in the first in the national side. So for me, I, I think that I, I would have found it extremely difficult, you know, to get the one cap to, to then move to go to a different country. I think, um, I think. It is, it is such a difficult question because if you played all of the youth team ages and um, you switched to the older age when you're in the seniors, I think you've got an argument again for both. You've, you've worked to try to stay with that uh, to get to the first team, uh, make it not happen. And, you, know, you, you are playing, you know, you're, probably, you're a big player and you, you want to have that international recognition and you want to play in the the biggest stage in the world. You want to go to a Euros. You want to go to a World Cup. You know that's that's the ultimate, and that's yeah. that's something that you, know, you can, if you get that opportunity, it's, it's something that doesn't come by very often at all. So you can understand why people, if they think, well, well, obviously it's going to be really tough for me to get in the first team with this one, but I've got a dual nationality and I can play someone else, and you've got the opportunity to then go and play in the World Cup or Euros. It's, something very difficult to turn down I think. Sorry, and in a, in a similar kind of vein to that, it's more obviously applicable to club football, Like, do you believe in a kind of loyalty in, in the sense that obviously club supporters demand loyal loyalty from their players, but obviously it's your career, it's your profession, 
people outside of football, if they're offered a promotion or a transfer to a better job, they take it and they don't have people on social media giving out about them. How do you how do you handle that? So obviously, you've moved to a few clubs. Do you have to deal with that, or, or do you just brush it off as kind of part of the game? Um, yeah, that, that, that's very difficult. Again, I think, like you, like you said, I think in any other industry, if you're you go to a, another firm, another company that's a rival to yours, you're you're getting a promotion, you're you're, you're getting a, you're a better salary, you're you know you're moving you to something that you. Help your family, then no one questions any of it. But because it's football, because it's so passionate, because everyone, all the fans, everyone's, you know, they, it's everyone loves football. Everyone wants. They're so passionate. They want to. They want to support their team. And you know, when when you then if you went to a rival, you can understand exactly why the fans would be uh, really disappointed and angry and mm. posting all sorts of social media. But in the other the other way it's it's very as you said the, the career is so short that you, you've got to you know some people I suppose maybe are, are happy to, to even if they're, if they're not playing to just sit and um, you know and, and see their contract or or, or you know to just not play whereas others just if they're not playing they want to go and play football that's what they're you know that's what we're paid to do that's what we're built to do you know to go and play football so you get the opportunity to then go to somewhere else and play you know you, you want to go and take that um, and it's probably nothing personal to to the club and definitely not to the supporters that's yeah. just that's just that's that's a job that is their job um, so it is very difficult but loyalty i suppose sometimes comes it goes both ways you know it's, it's very easy to pick the player and say oh they're not loyal but sometimes a lot of the fans and everything they don't see what goes on behind the scenes and that's some players can be pushed out you know they, they can be training on their own they can be you know it just other things that again in other industries wouldn't uh, wouldn't be acceptable but that's just that's just football that is that is the industry and no one you know you can't complain either way you've got to get on with it it's, it's your job yep so so loyalty there's a word does your um does your kid go to the same hairdresser as you You know, you posted it up on social, yeah, so... Yeah, uh, well, again, that is, uh, that's, where we, that's where we live, uh, and yes, I, he does have his haircut by the same hairdresser, but <laughs> I also, if I'm, because I lived up in the Midlands for years when I was at Wolves, and I'm back up there at the minute, I also saw the hairdresser that, that I used up there. Uh, it's just everyone used to remark upon your nice sharp hairstyle. That's what I had to ask. That that was more important than any other question for me. <laughs> so Matt, we're doing well. These are three questions that we ask. We ask everyone on this podcast, and we'd like to hear your view. So, what does high performance mean to Matt Jarvis? What does what? Sorry. High performance. High performance culture. What does that mean to Mr. Jarvis? dedication, um, determination and willingness to, to work, I think. That's, ultimately, you've got a lot of sacrifices that you, you have to deal with, but you you don't you don't get anything if you don't put anything in. You don't get anything out if you don't put anything in. That's, that's ultimately what you, what you have to do. I think you see all of the best people, sportsmen in the world, if they haven't worked hard, 
they, they don't get what they deserve. Um, uh, there's only a couple that come to mind, like Messi. I think he's just completely natural, natural ability. He doesn't. I'm, I'm sure. Don't get me wrong. I'm sure he works at it, but he comes across as just being very natural. Whereas you look at, say, for instance, Ronaldo. He's he's developed and worked in his game, and you can see him doing all sorts of different things to to, to improve, and he's adapted his game. And that's the debate we hear so often, isn't it? Talent versus work ethic and all that. Now, if you if you've ever come across a situation when you've underperformed, you know, you played in the Premier League. There's match of the day coming on that evening. You've had 37 appearances that that season, and you just didn't quite play at the level that you know you can play at. Well, how would you how would you bounce back? What do you do to reground yourself and get yourself in tune for the next game? Because if you're playing Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday in training, you can't be living in the past. You have to live in the present and move forward. So what does Matt Jarvis do to recover? Um, well, I think ultimately, as I said before, I'm, I'm uh, my biggest critic. So I would be, uh, that evening, I think my missus would be wanting me around. I'd be a bit uh, thinking about the game. I'd be watching clips back. I'd be thinking what I should have done and why I didn't do that. But then you have to then... Uh, just get it out of your head and you know, start watching positive clips of the things you've done well. Uh, you know, good free kicks, good crosses, good goals. You know, to try and to try and get your set mindset back into to focus on the game that's coming up on Tuesday. And you, uh, you know, recovery-wise, you have to obviously do you know, lots of like you, know, you have a little spin on the bike. You have to eat right. You have to hydrate. You have to do stretching. You have to do everything right because. You know, we, we always used to say it's the one percenters that make all the difference. Everyone's, you know, if, if they weren't uh, good enough, they wouldn't be playing the Premier League. And that's, you know, they're, they're little one percenters, you know, eating right, sleeping right, you know, hydrating, eating all of them little things. If everyone's doing that to your team, then you're going to have, you know, possibly that one percent that's going to give you the result. Hence the name of the podcast. That's it. Yeah. Very good. Uh, and uh, lastly on that one then, Matt, what would you say your, your big three are? Uh, in life at the moment, whether that's kind of personal, professional, um, what are your kind of big three areas that you, you kind of focus on for yourself? Uh, I think I think ultimately family has been massive for me over the last, uh, well, my whole career, but I've, I've had a, I've got a son who's two and a half now. And, uh, since, unfortunately for him, since I've been born, it's been the worst <laughs> um, 
any other area. You're allowed to say your haircut if you want an easy out here. Enjoying the moment as well. I think uh, ultimately, uh, I would say that I haven't really over my career enjoyed with the highs as, as much as I probably should have. Because, as I said, like, I feel like once I'm finished, I can look back and think, "Yeah, I mean, I really enjoyed what what the career I've had." Blah blah blah. But during it, you're always on to the next thing. You're always on to like oh, another game. I need to do well in that game, or you know, I've got this next season. I've got this. I want to do this. You know, you're always on to the next thing. And I think, I think actually enjoying the moment, enjoying what you've got around you, your teammates, your, your friends, your family. You know, just you know, if you've, if you've had a, you've had a good game, and you haven't got a day to, to, you know, to spend time with them. I think that's that's ultimately an enjoyed moment. Brilliant. And and. Ah, crucial, crucial. <laughs> we've got, uh, that's just about it, Matt. We've got one last question for you before you go. Um, we've had a young footballer in with us um, today and we told him we were interviewing Matt Jarvis later on and uh, we're going to be in big trouble if we don't find out off him who your toughest opponent was that you've played against in your career. So I'm guessing you're going to ask about a defender, aren't you? Not necessarily. Not necessarily, oh, but that's, then that gets nice and easy because then you can say anyone like, you know, Gerard, Lampard, Rooney. Yeah, but you have to pick one, Matt. Oh, um, and I, you know, someone you could have admired. I've seen, you've talked about worth ethic. You worked as hard as anyone I've ever seen. That's why we wanted you on this. That's what people are going to draw from this. There's a guy that hasn't had it all easy, but he's out there working hard every single day to, to be the best that he can be. So, so who's the guy that you've come up against that you went, there's a player? Um, it's so difficult, it's so difficult, because um, as I said, like, if you're playing in the Premier League, you've got to work hard, you know, and you are, you are a good player, so it's, it's very difficult to say um, difference, but going on just pure, pure people, someone that's taken their team through uh, works just for them and drag their team through. I think I'd have to go with Gerard just because he's, he's you know, he, he not carried Liverpool, but he, he did so much for that club. And whenever the game was, whenever they were down and you know, needed some inspiration, he was always the one that would stand up and provide that for them. So I, I'd probably, probably go him. Um, you know, <laughs> <laughs> Matt, look, um, it's been a pleasure, like we said, myself and Connor, really fortunate and grateful that you came on, give us, gave us your time today. You're a busy guy, you've got your wife, you've got your family there. Um, I just wish you all the best. Uh, we wish you all the best from Dublin. I'm looking forward to, to watch you play for another couple of years. You were a wonderful guy to have met and hope this isn't the last time we speak. So best of luck with everything moving forward, my friend. Thanks.